As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. I'm sorry, dude. I just don't see it. I'm looking at uh, at Peter Asher photos from when you were on the rise still uh, in what we would call here on, you know, on this side of the Atlantic, the British invasion. The hair that looks like Austin Powers? Yes. Glasses? Yes. Maybe even the... Soho Edwardian look that you had some gear for sometime. I don't even know. But the teeth are nothing. You just don't. Those Austin Powers teeth are iconic. Well, <laughs> they may be exaggerated, but I had my, my two front teeth, and, and I had it done pretty quick uh, as soon as I got to America. But if, if that very first album cover, the one in, right. in the movie, uh, if you look, my those front teeth are pretty bad. I had... I have four teeth out. Right. I, no, no, I, I can see where they, you know, they kind of fold I mean, over. In England at the time, that was part of Britain's reputation was everyone had bad teeth. And and the dentistry, particularly orthodontics, was not what it was in America. In America, every right. kid gets their teeth done. In right. England, every kid didn't. So, yeah, I, I did have some major orthodontic work done as soon as I was... Uh, in America, lived in America. Totally get that. But, but maybe, just, maybe Austin Powers exaggerated a lot. Yeah, but, because but it was based on my crossover teeth. That I can get. I could totally get there. But when I when I'm saying when Austin Powers first smiles in that first movie, it gets a belly laugh, you're right? right? No, you're right. <laughs> Austin's, Austin's a bit worse than mine. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, so so let's talk. Let's skip forward a little bit because that association with Paul McCartney and the Beatles that served you well when the Beatles launch Apple Records. How was it that you were asked to be the A and R guy for Apple Records? Well, um, I already decided that I wanted to be a record producer. I loved the studio. I loved what you could do. 
But yeah. the minute I realized what a record producer did, I went, I can do that. I want to do yeah. that. So that was a very deliberate effort on my part. And I, I did, in fact, you know, produce some records before I was at Apple. Uh, I got a, the first record I ever produced was with a friend of mine called Paul Jones, who you may remember. It was the original lead singer right. of Manfred Mann. Yeah. The, the do what did he guy. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant singer, brilliant harmonica player. And, um, and actually, that record is remembered now largely for the fact that I, I got a pretty good lineup of musicians. I wanted my first ever production to to, to have a, a really cool band. So I got a, this guy, Nicky Hopkins, to play piano. Right. Uh, I love Nicky Hopkins, right. Um, and all the all the Ringo Starr albums he was on, among exactly. other ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul Samuel Smith played bass. Yeah. Bass player in the Yardbirds. Yardbirds. And then went on to produce Carly Simon and Cat Stevens. Um, and I asked him if he could bring the guitar player from his band because I very much admired him. So that's how Jeff Beck ended up playing on the session. That's amazing too. And then I had Paul McCartney playing drums, uh, which is so drumming. Yeah, and Ringo, as he always points out, is everybody wanted to play the drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ringo's great. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, so that that was, and so Paul was aware of me producing stuff. So as the idea for Apple. The new, this new company, it, it grew, and he and I would sit in his house talking about it, and he had big diagrams and multicolored sort of diagrams of how it was all supposed to work. Um, he asked me first if I would produce some records for this new label, and I said, of course, I would love to. And then he said, well, actually, we're going to need somebody to be head of A&R. Do you want to do that? And I went, yes, please. You know, that's, as you know, an industry right. term for basically who gets signed and what kind of records they make and right. who produces whom and that kind of thing. So that's how I ended up being head of A&R for Apple Records and keeping my eyes and ears open for for talent. And as you know, I was lucky enough to, to, to find some. Yeah, you found, well, let's just talk about James Taylor because that was kind of a fluke that James Taylor was in England to be findable. Yes. Uh, the, the story about that involves a, a great guitar player called Danny Korchmar. I love him. Um, yeah. Danny was in a band called the Kingbees who backed Peter and Gordon on a couple of our American mm. tours. And he and I became very close friends. I used to stay with him and his wife when I was in L.A. and so on. So even after the Peter and Gordon touring era was over, Cooch and I remained good friends. And then he was subsequently in a band called The Flying Machine with his childhood friend, James Taylor. Um, that, that was a New York band. They weren't doing well. They were signed to a, a bogus record label and had no money. Several of them were strung out on drugs and this, that, and the other. So the band broke up, and James decided to go to England. He had a girlfriend he thought he could stay with in London. Turned out he couldn't, but that was another story. But um, So he, he went off to London, and before he left, Cooch, his, his old friend, said, Oh, I have a friend in London. You should look him up. Um, here's his phone number. And he didn't even know that I had this new job at the time. So that's how James rang my doorbell and you know, phoned me up first, rang the doorbell, came over, and uh, played me some songs, and I went crazy. And I basically said, look, this is a strange coincidence, but I've just got this new job for a brand-new record label. I can sign people. Would you like a record contract? And he went, yes, please, I'd love one. And, yeah. and, and that's what we did. So a couple of days after we met... Um, I took him into Apple, and uh, and I think it was John, it was George and Paul, I think who were, who were there, 
and they both loved James as much as I did and agreed absolutely that I should sign him and I did yeah and you and so you're as I as I understand it correct if this is wrong that you're recording that first James Taylor album for Apple Records at the same time the Beatles are doing the White Album? Not exactly. James okay. has been known to say that, but he's actually yeah. not—he's not right. <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's why I ask. He also admits when I say he says, "Oh yeah, you pre- yeah, I don't remember." Because <laughs> right. so, we were not—they were working a lot at at um, Abbey Road. We did that album at Trident Studios. Oh right. Now, okay. This is what happened. It's, it's, it, it all ties in together in an odd way because I wanted to make this album on an eight-track machine. At the time, EMI only had four tracks. What Would That Love was done on four-track. <laughs> but I knew that this James album, I wanted to use a lot of different instrumentations. String quartet here, brass quartet here, and other right. stuff. And so eight-track would make it a lot easier. So we had heard about Trident, who had an eight-track machine. So I booked Trident, and, and that's where we made the whole record and mixed it and everything. But Paul came at my request to play on the song Carolina in my mind. Right. He came and played bass on that. That was the first time he had ever used an 8-track machine. And he went, this is cool, and I'm going to bring all the Beatles back here. And he brought the Beatles back uh, a couple of weeks later uh, to Trident to do their first 8-track recording, which was Hey Jude. Mm. And there, there, there well, ended up enough to be there for that session. That's very cool. And and that eight track, I just happened to watch a clip the other day. I was deep diving on something else, and I came across uh, George Harrison talking about the fact that he took the last eight track that had been at uh, at Abbey Road. He had it at his house. He had it with him after the Beatles broke up. He took the eight track. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said in a YouTube yeah. interview. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. All right, so, but this is like, so, you know, obviously we've never met and you've never heard me before, but I've had on several other producers because while I really enjoy the work of artists, I know from my side of the glass on other things that the the decisions that producers make... um, are often actually the, the the key part of the success of any recording session. And it could be just, you know, it could be the, the way something is mixed. It could be the fact that a knob is just one third further up or down or a slide pot is just a little bit pushed or pulled. And, and producers, especially when they're doing the arrangements and they have a feel for the music for the artist, they become something that gestalt builds into something else. So the reason why I say, I preface that is by saying, I've always been interested, tracking with you as a producer from a distance, that you had a chance to do something which not many producers can do, and many producers would be too afraid to do, which is to make two versions of the same song carolina in my mind on that apple record and then when you follow james taylor back to the united states you redo carolina in my mind right yes we do but actually the reasons for doing so were more legal than musical tell me about that because we had, it was we didn't do it until we had the greatest hits album and on the greatest hits album, obviously, we wanted to put Caroline in my mind and something in the way she moves on it, which were everyone's favorite tracks, it seemed, off the Apple album. We couldn't use the Apple album. All the right. Apple and the Beatles affairs were totally tied up in, in legal fandangos with, with uh, Alan Klein and all of that. Sure. So that's why we recut them both. But in recutting them, we didn't you, try don't, to recreate the old you didn't recreate them. That's what a lot of people would do. They would go into a studio and then they would they would essentially try to get and and it's the really kind of not totally different songs. I mean, obviously, on a Venn diagram, they overlap. But you have in the Apple version of Carolina, in my mind, it's much more up tempo. Yeah, uh, those bouncy it, strings. Yeah. yeah, really. And then yeah. and then the the slowed down version that has that wonderful i mean you get all that high end on the acoustic guitar and all of that and i i look at that and i think that to me is i would pinpoint and i'd say that's the real genius of that is being able to to not to not do the easy thing which just be re-recorded for a greatest hits album like kenny rogers had done and a million other artists had done that didn't have you know access to their masters and instead, you took it in a different direction. And I just think it's beautiful. I well, love the you. second I think, version. I think James gets quite a lot of credit for that because he wanted to do it uh, a little more like what he, the way he was doing the song live on the road at the time. Interesting. So that was certainly a factor. So I think it rose out of a conversation between James and myself uh, you know, where, where we thought that the people were starting to get to know the, the live version of, of Carolina 
with with this brilliant band that we succeeded in putting together. So we felt maybe that would be the one they'd rather have than than the one that on the record that had not been particularly a hit. But your sound, I mean, there was a period of time particularly, and I'm not, I mean, I, the 10,000 Maniacs Peace Train and a lot of other stuff from the 80s that people may not originally associate with you. Yeah. Um, but there was a sound that you came up with that, that when it wasn't you, it was people trying to steal it from you. And you and your work with uh, Linda Ronstadt, not just James Taylor, later on Bonnie Raitt, um, and I, I mean, we could go on, but your that that shaping of that, you took artists like a Linda Ronstadt who had already had like three albums out, and you took that in a direction which is sort of to me, and you may be too humble to say this, but I would say is distinctly Peter Asher. Well, thank you. I mean, I guess that's possibly true. I certainly. I don't think of myself as a kind of producer who has a sound in mind before I go into the studio so much. I mean, uh, all the, the kind of artists I've worked with, clearly every record is a collaboration because you work right. with brilliant, extraordinary artists and singers in the case of James and Linda. But I do like, there's, the, the, I suppose, a certain stylistic unity. Yes. But I do like... I like fairly kind of clean records. Some, yes. I've been accused of making, you know, my records are too neat and tidy. No. I, I kind of like <laughs> neat and tidy. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. And, and you have a lot of high end on, on those. There, nothing's ever muddy um, on a Peter Asher record. Thank you. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. And, and there are other people that take longer to get there. I mean, I, I would put you up there with like, Alan Parsons or other yeah. people that have a distinct, you can tell, you can, you can almost, you know, rub your hand on it and feel their fingerprints on it. And those Linda Ronts, I mean, you, you changed the direction of her career positively, just like you did with James Taylor. Not that she wasn't already successful, but you gave it a focus and she went, when she started working with you, obviously, I mean, it just went up a level. Right. Yes, Hard Like a Wheel made a big difference to her career and and mine. But um, yeah, I think I I was such a fan of hers and her ideas and her voice. I think yeah. one of the mistakes that have been made before is actually not really listening to to Linda's own ideas because she's brilliant. She's one of the most extraordinary musicians I know, and and always you know. And, and my intention always was to find the best way to do that particular song. Because Linda was a great chooser of songs as well. We, I mean, I chose some of them, but but she was you know, really had an ear for a great song and still does. And and uh, yeah, so I I made an, a conscious effort to focus on the brilliance of her voice and her singing. Yeah, and that's what yeah. Out Like a Wheel was all about. You know, it, it's so true. In um, I'm a kind of an opera fan, and and I'm oh. big red big Randy Newman fan, and so. Randy Newman's Faust was like, I mean, I was like lined up outside the door where the record store opened. And I, and I really liked your work on that. And uh, that song feels like home uh, is such a, and, and so you've got Bonnie Rayett doing it. You've got Linda Ronstadt doing a version of it. Uh, They're all beautiful. Um, And Randy Newman's version of it, by the way, is beautiful in its own way too. It sounds still underrecognized. Yeah. And what a cost, you know, James Taylor, Don Henley, Randy, Linda, Bonnie, uh, Elton, 
Elton John, yeah. Right. Yeah, and so you're, the, again, I come down to it, and I can, oh, that's that sound again, that just that beautiful sound. And, and but it was not just that, it was J.D. Souther, yep. um, and then Andrew, um, and oh, then Andrew yep. Gold. Um, yeah, he was a genius. Yeah. He was a genius, and boy, did he die too young. Way too young. He was extraordinary. Um, and played every, every instrument and sang brilliantly. Right, and and sang originally brilliantly in a backup and a studio capacity for Linda, didn't he? For, yes, for Linda, and that's why then I ended up producing his first solo album, which was the one with Lonely Boy on it. And that's where, you know, a lot of people know him for Thank You for Being a Friend and whatever, yeah. and it was just still a great song, but it's really the deeper tracks on those Andrew Gold albums where he really shines to yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, his work on Linda is amazing, and a lot of his, his, his own solo work, he's, again, somebody who will be, will be rediscovered every decade or so. I hope he's, so. He's that good. And that means you will be too. Well, thank you. Let's hope so, yes. Right. So when you look back on it or when you're talking with your daughter or when you're talking about people and you're talking about your favorite moments, what comes to mind for you? When, when of all this, all this, you know, stuff we've talked about for the last hour, what for Peter Asher, you're suddenly just like, yeah, I still love hearing that. Oh, well, I guess, I, you know, oh, oh, I like hits, you know, everybody does. And, and when you, there's really, when you listen to, Fire and Rain, or You've Got a Friend, or You're No Good, or, you know, or, or some of, actually a couple of those Maniacs tracks, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I still get excited when I hear those things, you know, if I, I'll be honest, and if I'm driving down Pacific Coast, Coast Highway by myself, and I hear <laughs> a record I'm proud of, whether it's one I'm produced, or whether it's <laughs> I Go to Pieces, which is probably my favorite, Peter and Gordon record. Yeah. Um, you know, I turn it up and go, ooh, it's me, you know. This is, yeah. It's, it's exciting. You know, why pretend it's not? I'm, I'm delighted, and those records still sound pretty good to me. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.